Okay, Liz, here's some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, multiple systems, delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs, you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. The following podcast contains explicit language. Hey, Adam, have you ever heard of a heavy metal detox? No, what's that? It's something Sarah did in her whole quest to be completely healthy. Oh, so are you going to do it now? Uh, Doubtful, very doubtful. But I really wanted to talk about it on the podcast. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 18 years, Liz. That's me, Liz Kraft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this episode, we'll introduce you to our new producer, Chuck Reed, who's got advice for all of you looking to get into the music business. We'll also discuss my heavy metal detox. I'm interested to find out what a heavy metal detox is, Sarah. Um, (laughs) I witnessed you doing it, and I'm still baffled. (laughs) We've also got a beauty-related Hollywood hack and a musical celebrity sighting. But first, we've got what can only be described as a PSA that came from Sarah on our Facebook group. So Sarah wrote, please, ladies, no matter what your life plans, keep your skills. Don't let them wither on the vine. Keep yourselves able to live alone. And it doesn't mean you have to. Doesn't make it more likely to happen. Just make sure you could if you needed to. And make sure you know where the important papers in your life are, what assets you as a couple have, etc. However unlikely it seems, one day you two will be old. And if you are out of the habit of driving of filling in tax returns, of whatever it may be, it's very, very difficult to start again when you are 70-plus. And the chances that you will outlive your partner are high, let alone the chances that you have to cope with a partner with dementia or physical illness that stops him from doing whatever it is he used to do to keep your family going. It's also possible your marriage will crumble. Most of the people that happens to didn't expect it. Some of them were happily married for decades. It is much easier to sort things out if you aren't terrified by the practicalities of living alone as well as the emotional demands, and if you know what the cake is that you are trying to divide between you. Nobody wants any bad things to happen, but preparing in case they do doesn't make them more likely. You are strong. Don't forget that. And keep yourself ready to face whatever life throws your way. Well, Sarah, I relate to this um, from our listener, Sarah, because I— I make my own living. I mean, I have my own money, so that's not an issue for me. Uh, 
But I rely on Adam for so much. And I've even <laughs> said this to you that I, I mean, I rely on him for driving long distances because I hate driving. He takes care of the house. He deals with insurance. He deals with our technology. If the smoke alarm starts beeping at 3 a.m., like, he knows how to make it stop. I don't. <laughs> um, and I really would be paralyzed if he disappeared, whether it was, you know, for any reason. Um, and I beat myself up about it because I know it's not a good thing. And yet I do nothing to change it. Well, what's interesting to me is I always see you, like when I read this, I thought immediately of you because you're the person who is always telling people, like younger people, like make sure you maintain your independence. Like don't move in with someone. You're the don't move in with someone unless you're going to get married person. I am. And my reason for that being, I think if you're financially, if you join with someone financially and that becomes an impetus for staying together because it's cheaper to be together than apart. It, you, it could cause you to get married when you really shouldn't. Yeah. So, like, Adam and I didn't move in together until we were engaged. Right. You got engaged and put an offer on a house on the yes. same day, right? Yes. <laughs> also the day I got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. So was a, that was a crazy day. That was a crazy day. Um, but, yeah, I really—so I'm being very hypocritical here. I'm telling everybody that I think they should maintain their independence. I always say, I, like, I live in fear of someone— having to give me permission to buy a dress. Like, oh, my husband let me buy a dress. Like, that makes my blood run cold. But I am dependent on Adam for so much. And, I mean, I guess there's something nice about that. But it's also scary. I think that's good if you're in a relationship. You want to be able to depend on the other person. And, you know, to make it 50-50, the other person obviously has to have their contribution. Yeah, It's more just knowing that if financially— you suddenly needed to be independent, you could. Because everything else, you know, can come. Just know where the papers are. No, yeah, I no. know nothing. <laughs> I know nothing. So hopefully Adam will stick around a long time, at least um, until I know how to change the smoke alarm batteries. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the but, thing. As, as an only parent, I have to tell you, I don't do all those things, and I don't know how to do all those oh, things. Oh, okay. But I outsource Oh, you outsource. Okay, I was going to say, this is something you don't deal with as an only parent. You have to know kind of all this stuff, but you're saying you outsource. I outsource a lot. I mean, I can change a battery on a smoke alarm, but I also have a really great handyman. Okay. Well, (laughs) I mean, Sarah, thank you for this reminder because it's not a fun thing to think about, but, you know, but it's good to be reminded that we want to be able to take care of our own lives um, maybe we don't have to right now, but it's good to be able to yes. so that you're not left totally um, paralyzed if something happens in your relationship. Yeah. All right, Liz, now it's time for From the Treadmill Desks Of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches this week. And this week, it's the changes to our podcast. Yes, we said goodbye to the wonderful Jennifer Lai, who helped us launch Happier in Hollywood all the way from Brooklyn, New York, a year ago. And we decided that since we're all about being happier in Hollywood, we should probably embrace Hollywood completely in the podcast. Exactly. And we got ridiculously lucky when Chuck Reed of Sancola Sound, who happens to be an actual rare native Los Angelino, signed on to be our new producer. Yes. From Bono to Eminem, as soon as I read Chuck's bio, it's going to be clear why we're so psyched he's expanded from music into podcasts and joined Team HIH. So here's uh, Chuck's bio. 
Chuck has been on the road and in the studio since 1980. He spent 27 years at Interscope Geffen A&M Records as VP of Studio Operations, A&R Director, and in-house engineer slash producer. Chuck started off as a guitar technician and sound engineer in L.A.'s punk rockabilly scene. In 1984, Chuck started working with Jimmy Iovine, one of the biggest names in the music business, as a production coordinator and associate artist manager. Starting in 1986, Chuck also assisted Jimmy Iovine during the rehabilitation of the famed A&M Studios until the inception of Interscope Records in 1990 when he was brought on as a director of A&R. Since then, Chuck has worked with a vast array of artists, including Guns N' Roses, U2, Tupac, Eminem, Dr. Dre, Marky Mark, Sting, No Doubt, Black Eyed Peas, Enrique Iglesias, and many more. Chuck continues as an audio consultant for Jimmy Iovine, who, in case anyone doesn't know, is now a top executive at Apple Music who created Beats by Dre. Chuck has also produced and or engineered numerous gold and platinum records, including No Doubt, Sting, Motorhead, 50 Cent, Sheryl Crow, Guns N' Roses, Blue October, All-American Rejects, Something Corporate, Jack's Manigan, Snow Patrol, and many more. He was also, and I find this extra fun, a producer on American Idol seasons 10, 11, and 12. Chuck, welcome. Thank you. Hi. Hi. You are so much cooler than us. I know. That sounds like it, but that doesn't seem like it. Well, we are sitting here, first of all, we have to say, in your studio, mm-hmm. which is so cool. So Thanks. Um, you, yeah. it's, it's hard to explain how cool the studio is. It's like a little house and with different rooms, and we're recording our podcast, but someone could record an album here, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so we feel just exceedingly fancy. Um, fancy in Chuck's studio. <laughs> Thanks. I love it here, too. <laughs> so, Chuck, I mean, you've done it. We can tell from your bio. You've pretty much done it all in the music business. Um, and it seems like one of those mythical businesses that everybody wants to get into and mm-hmm. nobody can. So will you just tell us, like, how you did it? Yes. I I was a roadie, basically. And uh, my brother taught me how to work on guitars, and he had a band in the 80s called the DIs. And I carried their equipment around, tuned guitars, changed strings, and did anything I could. And uh, started working for other bands like Lone Justice, X, Los Lobos, Rank and File, some of my favorite bands. And just started uh, growing in that industry. And then one thing led to another, and I got into uh, studio work and there it went into management and just kind of rolled on but it's just uh taking every job (laughs) (laughs) taking every job i mean that's the key probably right it's like just you learn like every single bit of the business it seems like especially that point starting out it's like i still say no job too small Uh (laughs) you You say that to me yeah Yeah. i've heard you say that yeah um, and do you think it helped that you're from Los Angeles? I mean, you are like one of the—you were like right from the heart of L.A. I certainly had benefited from all the opportunities here. Like on any given night, there's—especially in that scene that I was part of. I'm sure it's going on now. I just don't know about right. it. But there's, <laughs> you could choose from 50 bands to go out and see. And uh, so definitely I had opportunities from living here. Can you talk a little bit more about the leap from— roadie to being in the studio. Sure. That feels like the biggest jump to me. Is that is that accurate? 
Um, it's not that big of a stretch because I'm working with the bands already. We're touring. We're doing gigs. I'm in charge of their equipment, and they're comfortable with me. So when it comes time to record the records, in this, which is a natural part of the cycle for especially a signed or established band, um, I was somebody that was familiar with everything, So, and I was also, I would say, overzealous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, so I would be there at the beginning of the sessions and advancing all the, what what was needed for the for the gig, and and so it went from there. And then I got very into it, and um, I loved being in the studio. And I went to engineering school when I was a kid, you know, a teenager. And so you went to engineering school like right when you were really young, before you even went out on the road, or you came no, back ar- and did that. I'd already been on the road. Already, um, I toured right like literally out of high school, like. A little before out of high school. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, my first national touring was with a band called Rank and File, and um, I ended up being their sound man. Uh, but first I was just roading, and then I came back and I signed up for this school called Soundmaster, which turned into Pinnacle College, and I don't know what it's called now, if it's still that. But um, <laughs> I did uh, sound engineering, recording engineering, and studio maintenance, which is just basically a foundation at that point. It's right. not really... You don't walk out knowing uh, how to do it all, but you get a foundation. And what I want to ask you about, because I'm the kind of person, if I meet someone who I look up to or who, you know, I perceive as, um, you know, like an idol, I'm like sweating, heart pounding. I I, I can't talk. It's just super humiliating. Um, But you were dealing with these people all the time. Like when you met, like— Bono. I mean, were you able to just be normal? Like, how did you handle meeting such huge stars and then working with them? Sometimes. uh, We did so much touring with you two in the early 80s and uh, mid-80s. And um, it was sort of when they were starting to really explode, like go beyond. But they were cool guys, and it it wasn't that difficult. What I get excited about and uh, starstruck about is, like, if it's somebody that I was a big fan of when I was a kid. Yeah. Like, if I worked with Jimmy Page or, Mm -hmm. you know, I would be really excited. And current artists, it's exciting and it's fun, and I love being around creative people and exciting people like that. Well, I guess that makes sense. You're really seeing people from the ground up. You're watching their careers rise. A lot of times, yeah. That's fun. Yeah. I'm impressed that you worked with Sting. He's ah. my favorite. Oh, cool. <laughs> One time I was in his bathroom because I worked for someone who was renting his house in Malibu. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, I'm in Sting's bathroom. If I had met him, I would have died. I would not have I would not have handled it well. <laughs> uh, well you know, Amanda, my wife, uh, sang on one of his records that I mixed. That's okay, I can't right. deal with that. I can't deal with that at all. Oh, wow. Maybe we <laughs> now can I have to go bow down to Amanda. Yes. <laughs> So, Chuck, how have you seen the music industry change over the years? In recent years, it's really changed a lot. The The 80s and 90s CDs were selling like crazy, and people were rebuying their old catalog, and it was just the days of wine and roses, really, and um, to the point where it became basically free and, you know, cut the industry in half. And, um, you know, ever since uh, file sharing and— Like Napster— Yes, Napster sort of started it, and uh, but you know the writing was on the wall then, and um, it, the revenues have gone down so much because so many people, first of all, were stealing music, and second of all, were buying it legally for a much lower price than previously, and so I don't know the exact numbers, but I'd say 
I would think it's somewhere around half the industry were were cut, and not just the big bad record companies. Right. You know, it's it's rank and file workers. It's the small bands, and that the labels don't have the budgets to support smaller mm-hmm. development artists for a long time. So it's really had to like reconfigure the way the business model works, which is now it's actually the last couple of years it's 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 on the rise again since streaming. It's actually, it kind of bottomed out about two, two years ago, and it's been on the rise for the last couple of years, actually coming back pretty well. So, Chuck, so many of our listeners, I'm sure, would love to get into the music business. Um, what would you tell them to do now that's probably different from when you started out based on the, all the changes in the industry? Well, what I tell young engineers who want to come into the business or want to be an engineer or be in the studio or work for bands, um, is to not put all your eggs in the one basket of recording artists for records and working in a studio um, because there's so many other opportunities in music recording now with Mm. gaming, with Mm. TV music, with jingle music, with ad music, with movies, soundtracks. Don't just concentrate on, oh, I want to be a producer and work with an artist. There's... It's okay to have that as your focus, but keep your horizons broad and open to all these other opportunities in music because the other segments are growing. And this one is, while it's it's on the rebound, it's it's a a slower growth than a lot of the other segments of the music industry. Yeah, it's nice to be part of something that's growing. Like um, we always say one thing we love about having a podcast is that podcasts are growing. They're like a forward future industry. Well, that's a perfect example. Here I am uh, (laughs) uh, working on podcasts after 35 years of and I love it. It's a new new technology, but a new platform. Yeah, and, and you're uh, used to editing, like, people singing, and now you're editing people talking. Yes. And really, it's two or three vocals instead of 60-something tracks. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. But it's more interesting a lot of the time, too. So, <laughs> so can, you, can you tell us a little more about starting your own business? Yes. What advice do you have for people kind of diving into a new venture like this? Hmm. Don't get old, for starters. <laughs> no, um, I would say the age-old adage of do something you love and mm. try to find something that you love that you can make a living in. And um, fortunately, there's there's opportunities in the music industry and in the industries surrounding it that I'm very interested in and I love doing. Like, I'm sort of gone back to my roadie days in some ways mm-hmm. where <laughs> I found that I actually really enjoy the basic of events and recording live shows and mixing. And I, I, there's so many areas now that uh, I've, I've spread it out and I— um, So I really enjoy that part. One thing I've noticed about you, Chuck, which I want to take to heart for myself, and I'm sure you do too, Sarah, is you're definitely the lifelong learner. I mean, Mm -hmm. you want to keep learning new things, keep challenging yourself. It's easy to kind of learn a skill, have your comfort zone, and rest there. And you definitely push the comfort zone. And I think we want to do that. Like, that's why our mantra this year is expand. Yes. Because we want to expand into things we don't know about, even though it's scary. And I see you doing that, and I think it's 
um, very inspiring. Ah, thanks. Yeah, actually, that's true. I do constantly try to stay on top of new technology, um, learn as much as I can about whatever area I'm delving into, and I really try to research a lot, and that helps. Yes. So everybody out there starting a business, research, learn new things, and do what you love. So, Chuck, you've been in Hollywood or Hollywood adjacent your entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to ask you our um, our question that we ask all of our guests. Mm-hmm. What makes you happier in Hollywood? Well, if I I don't know if I completely understand the question, but the, <laughs> what makes me most happy in life is my family, for starters, yeah, yeah. and what makes me happy in the in Hollywood or the industry is at this point in my life is the varied opportunities and the things that I get to do and that they're different all the time and I'm not stuck in a one lane and I get to there's so many different areas I get get to explore and do work in and I really love that. That's great. That's what I love about our job too. Yeah. 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 We're it's a cre- we're all in creative industries and that's one of the advantages is we mm. don't get bored. Yes. You know. Get to move around and work in different places and with different people and it's fun. So if you have questions about the music industry, we now have a resident expert, so ask away. (laughs) (laughs) Email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com or ask a question in our Facebook group. Chuck, thank you for joining us and for being our producer. Thank you so um, much. We'll have you popping in from time to time and talking to our listeners so everyone will get to know Chuck even better. Thank you. You're welcome, and thank you for having me uh involved in on team HIH. Yes. <laughs> You're a happy wooder. Yeah. Is that what we are? A happy wooder. That's okay, I'm not gonna touch that. <laughs> I get in trouble. Okay. Now it's time for Take a Hike in which we talk about mental, physical, or spiritual health. But first an ad break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Sarah, now it's time for Take a Hike, in which we talk about mental, physical, or spiritual health. And today it's physical health. We're talking about your heavy metal detox. Yes. So I did this heavy metal detox as recommended by my doctor. Which is not stopping to listen to heavy metal. (laughs) Had to say that. (laughs) Just to be clear. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
So my body doesn't methylize well, which is just a genetic thing. What's methylize? Okay, go back. What does that mean? This is my non-medical explanation, which is that I don't clear out toxins as well as other people. Mm, Okay. So I had had a blood test that showed that I had very high levels of a couple heavy metals, mercury and cadmium, in my body. And some of that is from stuff I've eaten, like tuna, um, and some of it probably was from secondhand smoke, the cadmium, Mm. um, (laughs) which my mom smoked my whole life. Um, And some of it's just the air. It's just Mm. like, you know, we live in L.A., we breathe air, and that stuff is in the air, and I breathe it in, and I can't get it out. So obviously it's not good to have a bunch of heavy metals stuck in your body. Um, So I did a couple things. First of all, I went to to this special dentist who took out a metal filling that I had, which was so fun. I, that sounds yeah. great. Loved that part. Um, and then I did this heavy metal detox, um, which basically is this. I took drops of this stuff called NDF. It's a heavy metal and chemical detoxifier um, for a few months. And you start with a very low dose of it and you build up. Um, and it, it just like it really <laughs> sucks the life out of you, honestly. Like you feel terrible. And um, and why is it? So it's, it you say it safely removes toxic heavy metals, chemicals, and pesticides while balancing beneficial nutrient and mineral levels. So why does that make you feel so tired? Or do you not even know? I know I can't explain it to you <laughs> medically, but it, it's just like in getting out the bad stuff, it also takes out the good stuff. Okay, is got basically it. how I'll explain it. Um, and you also have to sweat. A lot. You have to exercise and take saunas to kind of sweat out all that bad stuff. And I took my doctor had me taking um, glutathione and vitamin IVs every week. Yes. Yeah, so that was what was crazy to me is you would be going to the doctor and getting these IV infusions. Yeah. Um, which you know I have an issue with needles, uh, even though I'm diabetic and I give myself like eight shots a day. <laughs> Nonetheless, I have a problem with getting stuck. Like so the, the idea of voluntarily getting an IV was like, made me feel faint. Uh, yeah. And it was, that part was actually okay because it was nice. I would go in and they have a pleasant room and I would just lay on a thing and, you know, look away when the needle went in um, and then just sit there for 20 minutes. But it did help. Um, but I felt pretty crummy for a few months. I did it intentionally before our pilot was going to start because I just thought I can't be doing this and also have the stress of doing a pilot. Um, And I will tell you, I have since had my blood tested and my heavy metal uh, levels are now undetectable. Wow. So it worked. It worked. It worked very, very well. Um, So, of course, I'm glad I did it. And do you feel better? I do. Yeah. And do you think that you actually feel better or that possibly it's like a placebo effect and you think you feel better because you put all this time into getting rid of those heavy metals? No, I definitely feel better. You know, I, I the blood test also um, revealed that my inflammation levels are now like phenomenal is the word wow, my doctor nice. used. Um, so across the board, I'm just so much healthier. You know, probably the exercise and the sauna right. didn't hurt. <laughs> Um, but not having that sort of burden burden of the metals um, is great. You know, less brain fog, just kind of 
across the board, I feel better and am healthier. Uh, I have, I you know, I have post-pilot fatigue. Right. <laughs> but, but that's just like normal stress. So for our listeners who are, you know, I think a lot of our listeners are on the health journey. Um, this is something they can get tested for and see. It's a genetic thing, um, how much of this stuff you hold on to. So people might want to test and see if this is something that would be beneficial to them. Now, I will say, Sarah, you do all these things that I observe, <laughs> and I might think, oh, I should do that. I want to do that. I'm going to do that. And then I never follow through. Right. So what I want to know from you I mean, I know you're very motivated because your mom has Alzheimer's and you want to avoid getting Alzheimer's and you can impact that yes. to some degree. Yeah, to a More and more, degree. they're realizing. Yeah. Um, but, like, how do you follow—aside from that great motivation, how do you follow through on these things? Honestly, the biggest thing is I have a doctor I like. Mm-hmm. Whose office is near my house. Ah, uh, so this is— we talk on Happier about the strategy of convenience. That's the podcast I co-host with my sister, Gretchen Rubin. Um, and the strategy of convenience is like if something's just a tiny bit more convenient than it was yesterday, you're more likely to do it. Yes. For many years, I had a doctor in Century City. And there were two issues. One, her energy was like crazy making. I just it, I couldn't. It, not a good match. Uh, and... And it was in Century City. Like, I had to drive for an mm-hmm. hour to get there. Yeah. I had to drive for an hour back. So it basically was, you know, a whole day just to go to a doctor's appointment, and I would never go. And now my doctor is 10 minutes from my house. I don't have to get on a freeway. She's super nice um, and someone who I don't dread seeing and someone who kind of calms me instead of making me stressed. Um, so that's the biggest thing. Like, if— if there's anyone out there who's thinking, I need to go see a doctor, I'm not going, employ the strategy of convenience. It's okay to change doctors. Find somebody you like who's convenient to go to. Yes. Good advice. So that is our take a hike. Yes. <laughs> Heavy metal detox. You heard it here first. <laughs> Next up, we've got a face hack. That sounds so weird, but it, it, that's what it is. It's a face hack. Um Eyebrows. Yes. And Sarah, before we get into discussing eyebrows, I have to point out to our listeners um, that you've got some of the all-time great eyebrows. They're legendary <laughs> um, in some circles, our circle. They're like, <laughs> you have gorgeous eyebrows. They're perfectly shaped. They're beautiful, dark thick, but not too thick. I mean, they're really just gorgeous. Well, now I'm blushing. Um, I have to say they're just genetic. I got them from my mother. Okay. Along with the poor methylizing, I got the good eyebrows. Pros and cons. Yes. Um, yes. Everyone says that eyes are the windows to the soul, but eyebrows are the curtains of the soul. That's yes. what we're going to say. That's right. And we were reminded of this recently when our assistant, Mary, <laughs> got a new brow pencil that she says is life-changing. Okay? <laughs> right, yes. Um, Mary went to a makeup counter, and she said as soon as the woman at the makeup counter filled in her brows um, with a pencil and showed her what it looked like, she felt like, oh, my gosh, now I'm so much more polished. I'm so much more professional. It totally changed how she felt about herself. Yes, and I sort of— 
became aware of this whole eyebrow thing when our friend Allison Shapker went to see Anastasia of Beverly Hills. Yes, because only in Hollywood um, do we have a famous eyebrow person. I mean, she is a, a, a huge celebrity here. Yes, she is. And she has her own um, eyebrow salon space in Beverly Hills. And it's just, you know, this fabulous place where you can go and have your eyebrows done and get eyebrow kits. It really does change the whole look of your face. I saw Allison one time after she had her eyebrows done, and I was like, Allison looks amazing. What's going on there? And she was like, oh, I had my eyebrows done. And I actually gave, after that, I gave you um, a trip to Anastasia's salon for your birthday one year. But then the funny part was your eyebrows, like, looked exactly the same because (laughs) um, you have such good eyebrows. Yes, and I went to Anastasia herself, who did, I will say, compliment me on my eyebrows. I'm sure she did. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it sort of completes the canvas of your face if your eyebrows look good. And it's, like, something you just don't think about every day. So whether it's, you know, getting them cleaned up. Um, with waxing, adding, as Mary has discovered, the eyebrow pencil to kind of fill them out. It doesn't—I think people think if you're working on your eyebrows, you're, like, getting this real thin pencil line, fake-looking eyebrow. And that really doesn't have to be the case. Really, it's about sort of adding more definition and more shape. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's it. All right. And, Sarah, thanks to this um, hack and this conversation, I am pledging right here and now a new commitment to fabulous eyebrows. I'm going to go to Bloomingdale's, and I'm going to get an eyebrow pencil. Okay. I can't wait. I'm going to follow in Mary's footsteps here. And we will post a picture on Instagram. Mm, Yes. (laughs) Liz is like, um. Let's post a picture of your eyebrows. (laughs) Okay. Next up. As is fitting for this very musical episode, we have a celebrity sighting worth singing about. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, Liz, it's time for our celebrity sighting, which is extra exciting, having seen Hamilton now. Yes. Um, We saw Brandon Victor Dixon. He was Judas in NBC's Jesus Christ Superstar. He won a Tony in 2014 as the producer of Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which won for Best Revival of a Musical. In 2006, he was nominated for Best Featured Actor in a Musical for his role as Harpo in The Color Purple, and again in 2016 for his role as Yubi Blake in Shuffle Along. This is a very cultured celebrity yes, sighting we're is. having here. But, um, Sarah, in addition to all those Tony nominations, which are impressive enough, he is known for taking over the role of Aaron Burr in the hit musical Hamilton from um, the original star, Leslie Odom Jr., And we are obsessed with Hamilton now because we finally saw it. And so we're on the Hamilton train all this all this time. Everyone's been talking about Hamilton and we've been like, whatever. And now (laughs) we're like, it can't possibly live up to the hype. And then we went to see it. And at uh, intermission, we were like, yeah, lives up to the hype. Totally lives up to the hype. Yeah, it is. 
Amazing. (laughs) Um, So even though we didn't see um, Brandon playing Burr, we saw Ryan Vasquez, um, who was also incredible. But just seeing someone who played Burr was incredibly exciting. It was very, very exciting. Um, And now, of course, I want to, like, find videos of him as Burr on YouTube. Yes, of course. We have to do that. We're now Hamilton obsessed. Yes. Um, And we should mention that he's currently on the Stars series Power. So that was very cool. Love our job. (laughs) And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Email us or send us a voice memo at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thanks to our producer, the amazing Chuck Reed, and thanks to Jose Alcantar and everyone at Sancola Sound. Thanks to the awesome ad team at Panoply. Thank you to our assistant, Mary Merkins, for helping us juggle the insanity that is our lives right now. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at S. and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group that now has over 4,000 members. Yes. It's very exciting. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Kraft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Have you ever threaded your eyebrows? No. That sounds painful. Is it painful? No, I think it's supposed to be not painful. It's like they zip a thread through your eyebrows and somehow they're magically perfect. If you get a good person. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't get a good person, I'm sure it's... Excruciating.